Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. Today is going to be a wonderful segment. Again, I'm your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing Angelina Sharkey from Clarksville, Tennessee. Angelina has a rare autoimmune disease called neuromyelitis optica, NMO. Today she is going to share her raw and candid story about her journey with NMO and how she manages her symptoms. Also, she will give us some tips, if she has any, on what may help you all out there to live life more easily as we battle our autoimmune diseases. Let's get started. Welcome, Angelina. Thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Angelina, can you again tell our listeners the name of, the auto, of your autoimmune disease and what it means and share your story with us regarding when your autoimmune disease showed up in your life. Thank you for having me, Erica. The name of my autoimmune disease is Neuromyelitis Optica, Mm -hmm. NMO for short. Specifically, I tested positive. I have the protein, antibody protein for myelin oligodendrocyte protein. (laughs) Short um, would be MOG. Um, You said it's called MOG. Is that M-O-G? Yes, M-O-G. Okay. This first showed up in 2017, um, and it took quite a while for us to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Are you there? Yes. Okay. So it showed up in 2017. And it took a while for you to, for you guys to kind of figure it out. So, what um, when it first showed up in 2017, what symptoms did you have in the beginning? In the beginning, I would notice some tingling in my legs here and there. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe I have restless leg syndrome. It would go away, come and go. So I didn't really think anything else about it. When I went to a routine doctor visit, mm-hmm. and then in March of 2017, I woke up one day and my eyes hurt severely bad. It hurt to move them. Mm-hmm. It hurt to open them. And after talking to several friends and my mom, everyone said, "Well, you have a migraine." And I had never experienced a migraine before. So I'm like, okay, have a migraine. I'm just going to rest for a while. Tylenol, it'll go away. Well, for three or four days, it kept hurting. Just intense, this intense pain around the eyes, behind the eyes that I've never felt before. Mm -hmm. And I visited my primary doctor three times got shots of steroids he thought it was also a migraine I had finally gotten an order for an MRI that was three months after the fact after I visited my doctor Mm -hmm. had an MRI it showed no abnormalities 
the neurologist said, well, you're just having rebound headaches. And this is when we lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. um, that same month that I had the MRI, moved back to Clarksville. And shortly after we moved to Clarksville, in October, like a month after we had moved, is when I had my major attack. I had gotten a new job here, was working, mm -hmm. and my legs kept feeling tingly, um, a lot of pain going from my Achilles heel to my through my calves. Mm -hmm. and that lasted for a few days. And so one day at work, I noticed that I could not use the bathroom. And I drank a lot of water, so then I began to experience a lot of bladder pain. I thought, okay, I have, you know, a bladder infection or something, and it's right. affecting something. Um, I went to an urgent care clinic because I had not established a primary doctor here yet. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, well, maybe you just can't go because you have kidney stones. He gave me medicine for that. Mm -hmm. I, I come home, and once getting home, I noticed that I was having some trouble walking. My legs felt really weak. was in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. um, within an hour or two, I realized, like, no, like, something is seriously wrong. So then um, we went to the emergency room here in Clarksville, uh -huh. they immediately realized they could not treat me there. They said, this is something neurological. We have to send you to Vanderbilt. Hmm. So when you first went to Vanderbilt, were, now have you always, let me back up, have you always been diagnosed with NMO when you first went to Vanderbilt? Is that what they first diagnosed you with? So when I first went to Vanderbilt, they started saying, you know, it could be this, it could be that. Um, we think you have MS, and uh -huh. and or you could have had a spinal stroke, and all these things. It was very confusing and scary at first. At the time in 2017, they didn't have all of the antibody testing. Uh -huh. That they have now. So it took, at first they started, they're like, maybe you have a severe infection. Right. So they started me on high dose antibiotics, and that was not, I just continued to decline. And then they said, okay, within hours of being at Vanderbilt, I could not move any. I was completely paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. After the antibiotics, after a day or two of that, they decided to change course and steroids. Um, which let me back up. Like after a day of antibiotics, they decided to do a full brain and spine MRI. Uh -huh. And that's when they saw the lesions in my, well, almost my entire spinal cord. It's mm -hmm. one long lesion. And that led them to believe NMO. Which, because, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say, you know, um, which, when you, I'm backing up to 
the MS at first, um, I had read that um, lots of patients or people with NMO, um, sometimes uh, doctors are thinking MS in the beginning because they're kind of, they're very similar. Yes. And I'm so glad that they realized, you know, MS has shorter lesions, not typically very large sections of spinal cord affected. Uh-huh. And the telltale sign letting them know it was NMO was the very large lesion, which sadly it's such a rare disease that not many doctors are familiar with it. Can you I mean, tell us exactly are, what NMO is? NMO, it is an autoimmune disorder that um, basically your antibodies think that your pain or your optic nerves or spinal cord or something foreign uh-huh. and attack that. Hmm. Um, specifically, they specifically attacks like the myelin sheath of the central nervous system mm-hmm. and the optic nerves um, most of the time uh, very rarely the brain but it does affect the brain too and spinal cord so now that you know that you have NMO how how do you manage your symptoms or what's the plan what what is the your what is your doctor's plan now so before this last attack a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. I was doing, and they had me on different types of neuropathy and nerve medications. I'm sorry, you broke up, uh, um, Angelina, I apologize. And before this last attack a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. they had me on a couple of different nerve medications for neuropathy mm-hmm. to kind of calm down the nerve sensations. And I did um, did rituxan infusions every six months. Uh-huh. So every six months, I would go to Vanderbilt and sit there for four to five hours in a chair to get the medication um, intravenously. Mm-hmm. And now, since this last attack, because the rituxan did not prevent a relapse, we have now decided to change me to Cellcept, mm-hmm. which is another immune suppressant. But along with the Cellcept, they have increased the nerve medication. And I'll also need to do um, the close eye on my blood sugar, doing insulin shots, and adding birth control because it's very dangerous to very risky to get pregnant while on the medication mm-hmm. um, and then managing the other symptoms you know once you have that damage like I have temp- temperature regulation problems so if I get too hot especially in the summertime I have to be careful not to get overheated mm-hmm. I get overheated easily much more so than someone without this would. When you get overheated, it causes a flare. It causes some of those old symptoms to return. Um, I have not found a way to deal with the fatigue of the disease yet, other than the mental aspect of just pushing myself. But um, 
and it's very important to get a lot of rest, uh, not to overexert yourself. Has it been hard for you to adjust to taking these medications for your NMO? Yes. I'm the type of person that I, before this, I rarely took anything other than the occasional antibiotic or having to be on these medications, immune suppressants, it comes with a lot of risk and side effects that can scare you. Mm -hmm. um, it has been hard to adjust. Doing the taking the um, nerve medicine, it, it makes me kind of tired and lucky minded. It's hard. It makes it hard to concentrate. Right. And um, you know, have you had to make some adjustments? to your daily routine because of NMO due to it affecting you physically? Yes, very much so. After the first attack, I basically lost a year of my life. Um, I, you know, it affects you physically. If you can imagine being paralyzed from the waist down. Oh yeah. Thankfully, you know, all of the treatments that they gave me through the steroids and the plasma exchange procedures helped me regain ability, but it is, it's not a fast process. It takes time, physical therapy, to build up strength, um, basically learning how to do, how to walk, how to do everything again. I couldn't even make myself jump for a year after the first attack. Wow. Um, so definitely, it basically like the life that you had before an attack is gone when you're recovering from attack an attack you can't do those same things you can't cook dinner you can't easily take a shower you can't just get up and walk to the kitchen to grab something right it also you know after an attack i have a neurogenic bladder mm -hmm. so then there's those aspects too where i can't go to the bathroom like a normal person would mm -hmm. Are you able to walk now since your second attack, or what? Uh, what did it affect your second attack now, like that you recently just had? In the second attack that I had, I experienced optic neuritis. Um, optic nerve was affected. However, I'm very, very blessed that I did not lose any vision. A lot of people lose vision, are temporarily blind, or some are even permanently blind. But I was very blessed. Also had brainstem involvement this time. Wow. So I didn't know it was an attack. That's how this one started. I was just very dizzy for mm -hmm. days. And then also had the spinal cord lesions again, where it again paralyzed me from the waist down. And when it paralyzes you, it's not only your limbs, like internally, your internal organs become paralyzed too, like your bowels, your bladder, things mm -hmm. like that. So I can, uh, right now, I was in a wheelchair at first, now I'm doing a walker. I can do short distances. I can stand for a few minutes, 
but my legs are still very weak. It's just going to, with each day, I'm getting better and better. And I try to push myself, but yet, because when you go through this, you want to hurry up and resume normalcy. Right. But at the same time, I realize and know that this is going to take time. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, you know, definitely give yourself the time you need to heal. Um, you know, that's that's so important, you know? Yes. And what, I know that you've faced challenges physically, but not only physically, you know, I'm sure that you've had to face some challenges mentally after being diagnosed with this as well. Um, can you um, tell us some of those challenges that you faced mentally? Yes. So after my first attack, during my first attack, it was very, it is, it's a traumatic experience. It it's is. traumatic to your body physically, but it's also traumatic mentally. Absolutely. The first attack, yes. The first attack, I was very scared. Um, I cried for days on end because the doctors do not want to give you false hope. I kept asking, when am I going to move my legs again? Am I going to be able to walk again? Mm -hmm. And they would not tell you, yes, we think you will, or no, we think you won't. It, they just blurt out, you know, statistics, like, must be, you know, you have like a 23% chance of walking again and right. things like that. And it's all in how your body responds to the treatment. So that was very, very, like, a very defeated feeling. I can imagine. And then when they educate you about the disease, you know, giving you the statistics of within the next five years this could happen or this can happen, most patients experience this, it depresses you. So I went, it's almost like you go through these stages of grieving, mm -hmm. um, just like when a loved one passes. And I went through those stages. I was very depressed in the beginning. I was very, you know, I, all that was, my mind was racing. Will I ever be able to play with my daughter again? Right. If I lose my sight, like, will I be able to... Oh, look at her and see how beautiful she is will I be able to see a flower you know or yeah. see a blue sky with puffy clouds in the summertime you just had a sense of loss right and my mentality started to change and laying there in the hospital I discovered this drive within me, like, no, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to walk again. And so I began to basically do my own physical therapy in the hospital bed, trying, mm -hmm. you know, physically taking my hands and moving my legs. I thought, I can get some movement, maybe things will come back. Mm -hmm. But I went between this. For the first year, I went between this, you know, this driven mindset and this depressed mindset because there would be different things you, that would pop up and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. So then I would get depressed again. And it's like 
I called it my disability mindset. Mm -hmm. I had this mindset that I was disabled. I was handicapped and at times focused on all the things that I couldn't do. But once I started to come out of that, mm -hmm. I, I kind of reached a realization that I can let this disease define me. Yes. Or I can define it on my own terms. And once that happened, like my life that I had before started to come back. I started to do more hobbies that I enjoyed. I started to push myself to not only be a stronger person mentally and physically. Right. Both. So now I just have this, even through this attack, like, of course, I have my few days of depression away from my family and I'm going through this again. Um, but now it's like I'm just a driven positive person I now I'll look at my daughter and I will study her face you know that way okay if I do lose my vision like I've memorized every single feature <laughs> and I do that with everything and I just kind of now I know like I cannot have that what with me disability mindset I want to be a driven determined person Good that I can overcome I mean this has made me going through these experiences has made me such a stronger person yes and it has just given me a drive to just do things experience things just live life not take any single thing for granted like I appreciate Absolutely. everything I don't have that oh I have to work today like no like I cannot wait to go to work or I can't wait to stand there and cook dinner and do dishes afterwards yes good for you you know and I, I love your positivity and how determined you are and how you didn't give up, you know. Uh, you might have went through that period of, well, you know, that period of, um, you know, the period of just being down and depressed, but you didn't stay there. You, you, you rose above it and, you know, and, and now, you know, you're just, you're such a, a positive light and I just, you know, I'm so glad that I know you and that you shared your story today um, because it, it does it, it it means a lot to people out there who are going through something similar to to hear um, people like you you know no matter what kind of disease or what kind of Percussions it has on you physically, mm -hmm. your mentality, your attitude, oh yeah, plays a major role. Yes, because even now, when I first got home from the hospital, I could barely even stand. But I thought, okay, even if I can't regain ability again, I still have this, this, and this in my life. Like, right. I'm not going to let me let it get me down. I can still 
live a good life. Right. You have to think of the the positives still and, and, and have to be thankful for what you do have, you know? Right. And um, how has your family adjusted to you having an NMO? Um, and I ask this question because I always say it's not just us with the disease learning to adjust, but it's our families as well. Um, so how has your family um, learned to adjust? I can't, I, uh, I can't hear you. What'd you say? It has been a process. Um, the first time around when I was first diagnosed, mm -hmm. everyone was very cautious and wanted to take care of me. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone, you know, my parents were like, um, they thought that they had passed this down to me, so they had some guilt mm -hmm. that it's not a genetic disorder, so I've had to explain, like, this is not your fault. Right. Um, but then, you know, my marriage and everything, really hard to adjust for a while, um, but... And then with my daughter, she was only three, mm -hmm. so having her mommy have to go to the hospital and be away and then coming to the hospital and visiting me and seeing like, the central line coming out of my neck and everything, she was very cautious, but it also traumatized her in a way. Right. For, there for like the first year afterwards, I had lots of doctor's appointments and every time I would say I'm going to the doctor, in her mind, she thought I was going to the hospital again and not coming home for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So, she's starting to handle it. Um, she handled this hospital stay a little better, mm -hmm. but um, we, I kind of, you know, try to have a lightheartedness about it and kind of joke about it and ease the mood of everybody. Yes. Um, but once again, after the first attack, my husband and my mom were very afraid to leave me alone, afraid something would happen. And this time around, the first week I was home, you know, I... I kind of had to be babysat, <laughs> which I understand, and I understand their concerns. Yeah. But after time, once I recover more, I know they will relax a little bit more. But, like, my husband, he doesn't, he's very supportive, but he doesn't always, I know this has an effect on him. Mm hmm He just doesn't show it or voice it. Well, it sounds like that you have an amazing support system. And when we have these rare autoimmune diseases, we need, you know, our support systems. Um, and, it's, and it's awesome that you, that you have them there with you. What do you think is most important for our listeners that are battling their autoimmune diseases to know? I think the most important thing is to not give up. Um, like you said, there are always other things that you can appreciate. Yes. But I've, read, I've had to do a lot of research to educate myself on this disease. 
And I think one of the main focuses are patient mentality. You, you're more likely to overcome some aspects that you're dealing with if you hit it, face it head on and just have a positive attitude. Right. Um, not get in that depressed mode and stay there, mm-hmm. but just have this positive attitude, a positive mentality about it. Right. And I think when you do that, like you're, I love sharing my story because there are other people out there that need to hear, yes. like, hey, this person, it can be inspirational. Like, this person has went through so much, but they have overcame right. and have come out even stronger. And you are an inspiration. And, you know, as far as, like, you were talking about the depression, um, you know, it's, like you said, it's so important to know that, you know, it's okay to be in that depressed state, but what's most important is you don't stay there, and you find your way to climb out of it, and, you know, regain control of your life again, you know? Do you have anything else to share or add to today's segment? Not that I can think of. I just, you know, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, It's very important, I found, when you have, like, a rare autoimmune disorder, it's important to advocate for yourself. Yes. You know your body more than anything. And there are times where, especially with it being rare, that you have to educate other medical professionals because they don't know about it absolutely just the main thing is be your own advocate if they know I'm uncomfortable with this or no I know my body and I know that I need this it don't be afraid to speak up right right um especially to you know I'm glad you say that because if you feel like that something's not right with a diagnosis and you're still feeling bad, keep on advocating and, and letting, you know, if this doctor's not giving you what you think you need, find the doctor that does. That's so important. Like, don't, don't just accept what, um, what, what someone says if you're still having symptoms and feeling bad. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, Angelina? Absolutely, absolutely, because this attack, I went to Vanderbilt ER because I already know they're the only ones that can treat me. I spent one night in the ER, and then I was sent home. I was discharged. They, like, we don't think you're having an attack. We think this is just, you know, a pseudo flare. Uh-huh. And I kept saying, like, no, like, I've had flare-ups before. This is not a flare. Right. Well, within hours of being home, I worsened to the point I could barely walk and went right back to Vanderbilt. And as soon as the doctor came in to evaluate me, I explained and I basically told him, like, I'm not leaving here. I know that this is happening. And thankfully, 
that doctor listened to and know we're going to get to work on you right now. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad that you did that, that you just didn't, you know, take what the first doctor said and just stay home. Because look how, I mean, things could have got so much more worse if you didn't go back. Right. Well, again, I appreciate you so much for coming on here today with me and allowing me to interview you. Um, it was such a pleasure talking to you and I know this interview really educated and helped a lot of listeners out there. And remember, if you out there have any questions or comments, please just email me at the silent battle 2022 at gmail.com or message the Silent Battle Facebook page. Um, Angelina, do you have anything else? No, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. You, like I said, you are a pleasure to talk to, and um, and always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Everyone have a great rest of the day.